Hello everyone and welcome to another Game Reactor Quick Look. It's that time again. We have new Apple launches. They held their peak performance event where they launched green iPhone 13 and 13 Pro models, a new iPad Air, which we just received, which will be quick looking very soon. And well, a new Mac Studio and Mac Studio display. But for the vast majority of people who buys Apple products and perhaps particularly people who just have been in the periphery of the Apple ecosystem for years and don't want to shift because they have their iMessages, their contacts, their photos, they use Apple Music, you know, either the elderly or someone who just, you know, is a boomer that don't want to change because they're locked into the Apple ecosystem or even small, like children getting their first smartphone. Well, for those kinds of people, the iPhone SE has been a stalwart part of the Apple lineup of products because it has one main advantage. It is the cheapest iPhone. Now, that might sound like, uh, well, that I am, that it's a bad comparison in a sense because being the cheapest iPhone isn't in and of itself a plus, but still in the real world, it kind of is. Because if you wanted to make a really sort of journalistic, critical assessment of the value of something like this, you would compare it to other phones in its price bracket. What else can you get for 429 US dollars? But the thing is, you have to remember that for the vast majority of people that are interested in this phone and are interested in iPhones, they probably already have an iPhone. So they're not gonna see, oh, well, there's really good value over there on the Xiaomi something, or the Oppo something, or the OnePlus something, or even the Samsung Galaxy A series. They're gonna be looking out for the cheapest iPhone for a couple of different reasons. For one, it's Apple's services ecosystem. So it is iMessage, it's photos, it's iCloud backups, it's contacts, they are locked in. And while you may consider that a negative thing about being locked in, this is just the way of the world. And for those people to have to let go of less money in order to get a new iPhone with a brand new A15 Bionic, that has to be a positive thing because they no longer have to buy an iPhone 13, which costs like, not not double the amount, but something close to it. They don't have to get that to get features they don't want. They can just buy an SE. Now that is really cool. And that is why every time an SE launches, it is something special because the kinds of people who never wanted to give up Touch ID or the home button or don't want a big iPhone where they don't use all of the screen or just want something that fits in a pocket and they know that they can count on IP67 dust and water resistance and all of Apple's services in one small form factor package, they have that option now. So while there is things to not like about this newest 22, 2022 edition of the iPhone SE, it still is by its very definition, by its nature, a really welcome addition to the Apple lineup to have a modern iPhone SE, even though its iPhone 8 chassis is starting to show its age in a couple of not that good uh, uh, areas. So let's take a step back. What is the iPhone SE? The iPhone SE is the chassis of an iPhone 8 
This is the chassis of an iPhone 8. There is basically no change. There is in the hues of some of the colors. This is the black one. So this really does look like an iPhone 8. And by that, I mean home button with touch ID. I am looking at really chunky bezels on the top and on the bottom. I am looking at a 720p, close to 720p Retina LCD display, which peaks at around 600 nits instead of like a thousand. And I'm looking at something with a relatively small battery. As I said, the iPhone 8 chassis. Inside, we have the brand newest A15 Bionic chip, the same that you would get in a 13 Pro Max. That both makes this phone faster than the Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra, even though this cost a third of the money. It also enables a bunch of new um, modern features, such as even though this is a single lens 12 megapixel camera or at f1.8, I think aperture, this has all the brand new features such as photographic styles where you can set it to high contrast and get pixel-like images. I've been shooting for this for a couple of days and it takes fantastic images for a phone in this price bracket. Really nice. So it also has IP67 dust and water resistance. It has wireless charging. It um, has great speakers and it even has, I think, acceptable battery life. But the point of the matter is, which I think is most important for the target audience, when you have an A15 Bionic, you can look forward to six or seven years of platform upgrades and software support from Apple. You can actually upgrade the last iPhone SE, not the last, last one, which was from 2020, but the, like the one that used the iPhone 5 chassis to iOS 15. That's how far back the support goes. And you can basically really be sure that since this has the A15 Bionic, it'll be pretty fluid when it runs that OS six years down the line. So for the kind of audience who just wants a cheap iPhone, which works, well, you get something that not only works fluidly today, but will work fluidly consistently throughout a number of years worth of service. And for those kinds of people, that target audience, that matters. And it's something that no other budget phone in that price bracket could even begin to offer. Most budget smartphones doesn't even come with the newest version of Android and they rarely get it. And if they do get it, they will only get one. Nokia is really good at that because I think they will offer three platform upgrades on Android, really good. But that's still kind of half of what you would get in iOS upgrades on the iPhone SE, which cost 429 US dollars. Now that does not mean that it's perfect. I don't mind that it's small. I think for the people who are looking to buy the iPhone SE, a small screen is really no a problem at all. I don't think it is difficult to type on. And I don't even think something like YouTube is terrible here. I think it actually runs rather well. The one thing that really bothers me is that if you're looking to buy this and want an, a cheaper entryway into Apple's ecosystem, one big part of that ecosystem now is MagSafe. Now you can get MagSafe gimbals, you can get MagSafe chargers, you can get MagSafe pretty much everything like car mounts, for instance. And you would want every single consumer 
who gets an iPhone, whether or not that is an iPhone 13 Pro Max or an iPhone SE, to be part of that ecosystem together and sell the same accessories. Yet no MagSafe here. That's really dumb. The other thing is that I really didn't get a whole lot of battery life out of this thing. I mean, this is sort of one of those things where barely a day if we're talking about, you know, more than average usage time. So that is something to consider. But apart from that, while I don't love the SE, I can't find a lot of reasons to hate it or not to recommend it because to that target audience, like a grandpa who just has an old iPhone 5 and has run it into the freaking ground and he needs an upgrade, that's it for your daughter or your son who's looking to get your first phone and you maybe you want to pair that with an Apple Watch SE or something like that. Again, you're locked into the ecosystem. You want to use iMessage. You want AirTags on their like bags on their way to school. Again, you're locked in. You could now buy a whole lot cheaper iPhone and get the same basic functionality. To me, that is worth recommending. I know that is a bit of a weird step considering that again, you don't, well, truly um, recommended based on its merits next to other phones in that price range. But that's just the way the Apple ecosystem now works. And I can recommend this because this is the cheapest iPhone. Thank you so much for watching. See you on the next one. We drop it in the Samsung demo.